Are the Aggies wasting one of the best atmospheres in college football? You are Locked On Aggies, your daily podcast on the Texas A&M Aggies, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome on in the Locked On Aggies. I'm your host, Andrew Stefaniak. Thanks for making Locked On Aggies your first listen every single day. And today we're going to be talking about the Maroon Out. The Maroon Out has been making some news lately because it was just scheduled for November 11th against Mississippi State. My first reaction to this was, I think you could have this game against a better team. Now, let me preface this by, um, for, for those who don't know, I think many do, I, I assume most do, but um, the Maroon Out is always played on the first home conference game of November. That's the tradition. It's how, just how, it's how the Aggies have been doing it, and I'm a big believer in tradition. I don't really want to change the tradition of the Maroon Out, what it stands for, where the proceeds go. All that is great. It's part of what makes Texas A&M so awesome. But I think you could make this tradition a win-win to where it helps the football team and it doesn't really hurt the tradition much. Okay, let's just, I'm going to throw an idea out there and let me see what you all think. So you all big believers in tradition, don't yell at me because I still think you're keeping the tradition the same. Let's get into it. Why not have the maroon out game be held for whatever the most important game of the conference schedule is or the season is could be a non-conference game that would probably be more rare for this season it's got to be the Alabama game at home that's a game that I've said I think that Aggies have a chance to win part partly due to the fact that Alabama has some quarterback question marks surrounding the team it's a game that I think the Aggies can definitely hold their own and potentially win so why not have the one of the most best atmospheres in college football in the maroon out game be for the biggest game of the year. I think that would just make an, make the electric atmosphere. The maroon out is even better. So, you know, and I get it. There's it's scheduling. It's been a tradition. It's always been the, the first home game, home conference game of November. Um, well, not always actually, interestingly enough, the first maroon out game wasn't in November. Interestingly enough, it was against Nebraska. We'll talk about the history of it soon, but um, you know, I'm sure there's variables that go into it, and it's not something that can just at the snap of your fingers be changed. But why would people not want to help the football team while helping the the Maroon Out Scholarship Fund and all of the different things that the proceeds go to? It just it makes a lot of sense to me. And like so, Miss, getting back to the game, the Mississippi State game. You know, I don't think the Aggies are going to struggle there. I think it's a game Texas A&M is going to win handsomely. I'm not worried about it. I know Mississippi State's got a good quarterback. There's just been a lot going on over there um, with the tragic passing of Coach Leach, and I just I don't feel great about what that team is going to be looking like this year. I think Texas A&M is going to easily take care of business there. So why not have the Maroon Out be a game that is more detrimental to the season, more important to the season, a bigger deal? That Alabama game, I've said it, but the LSU, Tennessee, and Alabama game, if you can win one of those games, I think nine wins, maybe even 10 wins there is genuinely in the conversation. Definitely nine wins. So 
That makes me wonder, you know, wh- why can't we make this change? And maybe people don't want to. I want to hear your all's thoughts. I'm just spitballing here. I want the Aggies to win as many football games as possible. And I think having this maroon out game on a on a more important on held during a more important game is good for the Aggies. So um, you know, I just let me know your all's thoughts on that. Um, now we're gonna talk a little bit of the history of the maroon out game. It's really cool. Obviously, we all, all Aggie fans know about it, but the, um, some might not know that deeper history part of it. Um, so I'm going to kind of break that down. The Maroon Out game was first played in 1998. Um, the reason being, number two at the time, Nebraska was coming into town. This was back when Nebraska was actually relevant in college football. I'm sorry. I just took a shot at a fan base. I hope no one's offended there. But this was back when Nebraska was a great um, powerhouse in college football. Number two team in the nation at the point at this point in time. And they were coming to play the Aggies. And Nebraska at the time was notorious for having a lot of they, – they traveled well. They had fans wear, uh, loud and proud wearing that red, um, that blood color red, you know, um, and that was what they were kind of known for. Their fans traveled well. So Texas A&M, a student at the time, said, we're not letting you come here and outdo us. It ain't going to happen. So the Maroon game was born. That year, the Aggies – there was th- 31,000 maroon shirts were bought for this game, which actually led to a maroon shirt shortage, which is a thing. Yes. That is just, I think, not only is that an, a testament to the Aggie fans, to Aggie culture, and just to, in general, Texas A&M University, but I think that's a testament to college football, and it's part of what makes this game so awesome. I mean... College football is the best. I'm not going to sit here and preach that. Everyone here agrees. And traditions like this will make it even better. It's a fun story to tell. Um, and if, so now there are $45,000 uh, 45, maroon out shirts sold for this game, which is really cool. All the proceeds there go to the maroon out scholarship and um, different campus activities, stuff like that. It's just a cool tradition that – is a real testament to Texas A&M and how awesome it is. This game, um, it's going to be fun. Even even uh, with it being against Mississippi State, the Maroon Out is a fun atmosphere. It's awesome. It gives Texas A&M an advantage. But back to the point I'm trying to make, why not have that advantage being a game that the Aggies, it's more of a toss-up than this Mississippi State game. Um, so like I say, and like, you know, wrapping this, I'm kind of bringing this back. Um, I hate to give another Big Ten shout-out here, but two – Penn State, their whiteout they have is awesome. That is another outstanding atmosphere, and um, I know they've been uh, Penn State fans have been complaining lately because because of like the big noon kickoff and all that TV scheduling mumbo jumbo. This game, uh, that game, is has to be played against a not very good team, and they hate that. They want their whiteout to be against the best team possible. Help your team get a big win, and I think so. To sum this all up, I think the Aggies could change the tradition where you leave the whole tradition in place. You just change the, 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 the time the game is played, the day it's played. You pick at the beginning of the year, whatever the most important game on the schedule is. So like, let's say of course this year, uh, t- the Aggies have to go to Baton Rouge, which means next year t- uh, LSU is going to be coming to town. That'd probably be a good game to have it next year. Look at it like that. This year it'd be Alabama. So I, I just think that's a, a good way to go go about this and to change it up. And then the last numbers I got here on the Maroon Out game, the Aggies are 14 and 11 
in this game, with the most recent being a victory over LSU last season, 38-23, in a game where, uh, I mean, in, in for a season for LSU, where, of course, they went on to win the West, they had a good team. So um, it shows you that right there. Texas A&M was struggling, and they beat a good LSU team. The fans are a big part of it. That's why I think every season this maroon out game should be in a game that is crucial to the season and a big game. I think it would be better for the maroon out game and for the football team. Let me know your all's thoughts on that. If you all think I'm wrong and and, and say no, we got to keep it here. Let me know. I'm curious everybody's thoughts on that. Um, but it's a fun tradition, and I just love how awesome Texas A&M is with their traditions and how awesome college football is in general with its traditions. Are the Aggies going to have an 1,000-yard rusher this season? We'll talk about that here in a minute, but first I want to tell you about our friends over at Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs, these pants, I can't even sit here and do them justice. It's one of those things, you know, you could talk about, people talk about comfort and clothing all the time. And I think you kind of have to truly experience the, you know, these pants are an experience. You have to experience these pants. They are comfortable. They're versatile. They are, they look good. They make your legs look toned, which is good for a guy like myself. Um, They're just great pants. You can wear them to the gym. You can wear them to church. You can wear them golfing there. You can wear them to really any activity that calls for shorts. They also sell khakis and all different types of pants. Go give, Bird Dogs, a look. These pants are awesome. I absolutely love my couple of pairs I have. Go give them a look. And if you do, head on over to birddogs.com slash college. And if you type in promo code LockedOnCollege, Bird Dogs is going to throw in a free Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler cup with every order. Do yourself a favor and go grab some of these pants. So... Will the Aggies have an 1,000-yard rusher is the question I just threw out there in the universe. It's a it's a question where I've been sitting today and thinking about what I'm going to tell you all about on today's episode. And I, I when I picked this for segment two, I kind of sat back and I said, what am I going to say? Are they going to have one? Are they not going to have one? I kept changing my mind because it's really, it really feels like a toss-up kind of situation. Um, So... The numbers that I want to kind of throw out there before I tell you my opinion to kind of lay the argument down before we break it down. Last season, the Aggies did indeed have an 1,000-yard rusher in A-chain. Of course, we all love him. I think he's going to have to be a great player in the NFL. Here's your daily fantasy football advice. Draft him, dynasty leagues, put him on the back of your bench. You never know. I think he's a guy with some injuries that could sneak into the lineup. And he's going to be on my team. So if any of you all and I up end up in a league together soon, you're not getting A-chain from me. I'm sorry. It's too bad. Um, but last season, he had 196 carries, 1,102 yards, and eight touchdowns on the ground. We're going to talk a little bit about kind of the running game and how the uh, these running backs are going to catch passes as well. So I do want to throw in A-chain's receptions last year because these are some shoes that are going to have to be filled by somebody. 36 receptions, 196 yards, three touchdowns last year for the talented running back. Um, so this year's running backs that were, I think are going to be the main guys getting touches for the Aggies, Amari Daniels, Le'Veon Moss, and Ruben Owens. Um, I talked a little bit about the rushing game last week. Um, I talked about how uh, Petrino is going to play a role in that. But we didn't really talk about this side of like the personnel and how that's going to look and who's going to get the bulk of carries, who's going to have how many yards whatsoever. So I, that's the approach I'm taking today because I think it's kind of a, a different look at this running game. 
So, but I do want to real, real quickly recap the Petrino stuff. He loves to have his running backs. He, he doesn't like to put a ton of carries on, on, on one certain running back. He gets a lot of guys touches. Okay. He spreads the ball around to a lot of people last year too. I want to add this in too. Um, Amari Daniels had 36 touches for 236 carries for 200 yards, no touchdowns. Le'Veon Moss had 27 for 114 yards and one touchdown on the ground. They didn't have many receptions. I, if I remember correctly, it was two receptions for Dan, or two. Um, I think two. Yeah, two uh, receptions for Daniels and one for Moss. Don't quote me on that. I was looking at those numbers. I kind of, but it w- wasn't a ton of receptions. Is the moral of this conversation there? Um, but I think Coach Petrino was going to want all three of these guys I've talked about, the freshman Ruben Owens, Moss, and Daniels, to all get a bulk of these carries. I think the ball is going to get spread to a lot of people. And I think that's a good thing. And I think that is the main reason I don't think the Aggies are going to have a 1,000-yard rusher. So, like I said, last year, the, the three top running backs, I, I gave you the numbers, but, you know, 196 carries for A-Chain, 36 for Daniels, 27 for Moss. So, you know, that's not – there were not a ton of carries taken away from A-Chain last year. I think those numbers this year are going to be a lot more – are a lot closer for the three running backs that I've talked about on Texas A&M's current roster. I think everybody's going to get the rock and I think everybody's going to succeed. I've talked about, I think the offensive line takes a step forward this year. We talked yesterday, we talked about a preseason all sec list from a publication that had um, Bryce Foster and Layden Robinson on their, um, a couple preseason sec lists. So I think this offensive line is going to be better this season. Um, and I think actually, I do think that's going to be a big question. You know, that is going to be the key here. If it's not, the run game could struggle, but I think it is. Um, I've had some people disagree with me in the comments, which I appreciate. I love this, you know, back and forth on my topics here. So, um, you know, that's that's kind of the, the question here is, is who's going to get these carries? What's it going to look like? I think Daniels and Moss are kind of kind of are going to be the guy to start the season, even though it's multiple. I think they're going to be the guys. Let's say it like that. And Ruben Owens is kind of take a back seat to them in the beginning of the year, but I do think Owens is the most ta- is the more talented back compared to these other two, and I think he's going to work his way in throughout the season and become potentially the guy. Now, when I say the guy, I think all three of these guys are going to get carries in each game potentially. You know, you could be looking at Daniels gets fourteen and Moss gets seven and Owens gets three, or you know, ball- ballpark numbers there could be a lot more, could be a lot less. But I think everybody's gonna everybody's gonna eat. Everybody's gonna gonna have some carries. But I do think Owens might take over this backfield throughout toward the end of the season. Um, I've I've talked a lot about Owens and the upside I think he possesses. I'm really excited for his Texas A&M career. I love just his style of play. I love the way he runs the ball, and I love he's a, a running back like Bird Dog's pants, who is versatile. He can do it all. He can run through you. He can run around you. He can run over you. He can run past you. Whatever you need him to do, he can do it. Um, the question mark around this backfield is going to be, I, I think, who can be a safety net for Wegman? You know, I mean, the 36 cat receptions last year for A-Chain, that's going to have to go somewhere because while some of those might have been designed or screens or whatever, there were a few times where A-Chain just kind of got out in the flat and Wegman said, goodness gracious, all these people are in my face because nobody's blocking. I got to throw the ball to somebody and dump it off to a chain. And I think he, that's going to happen at times to where he needs a back to catch the football. I think these guys are capable of doing that. 
It's definitely within their skill set. So it'll be interesting to see like who gets the big bump in receptions. Um, I, I'm anxious to see how that kind of plays out. But I do. I think I think the Aggies are going to have a stout running back room. But I don't think there's going to be in the there will not be in a thousand yard rusher. And as I said, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that means that a lot of guys are getting carries. The ball is getting spread, and all three of these running backs are having good seasons. You know, all three of them are 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 running the ball well and and deserving of carries, and that's a good thing for the Aggies. It keeps people healthy, keeps people fresh for a potential college football playoff push, uh, a New Year's Six bowl push, whatever it may be. It keeps your running back running backs healthy, and that's a big deal. So let me know what you all think on the um what on this debate. Will there be a thousand yard rusher? I say no. Uh, you all let me know what you think. I'm really curious to see if anybody thinks there will be. We'll won't be, see if you agree with me, disagree with me. So let me know in the comments if you're watching on YouTube if you think the Aggies are going to have a 1,000-yard rusher. I really would appreciate your all's thoughts on that. Uh, the Aggies drop a painful one to Arkansas in the SEC baseball tournament. Yeah. I'm not happy about this one, folks. I I was frowning, then smiling, then frowning, then smiling. It was an up and down game. Um, started with ups. The Aggies went up to went, started with a four-one lead, and then um, and then a, a grand slam from Arkansas gave the Razorbacks a five-four lead over Texas A&M. Then Boast hits a bomb in the top ninth inning, tie the game up. You know, of course, at that point in time, the Aggies were down to their last couple of breaths, and Boast hits a hits a bomb and keeps them in the game. And, and, and this game eventually gets to extra innings. What happened then? It's hard to tell. Oh, I don't even want to say it out loud. It's going to bring back the painful, painful memories. But Arkansas hits a walk-off home run in the bottom of the eleventh inning. There are some positives to take away. Um, one thing I think the way Sexton fielded his position uh, in the, in the 10th inning was impressive. Um, I'm a big pitchers guy. I love pitchers and I love when pitchers are athletes and field their positions. Sexton did that in this game, men on first and second in the bottom of the 10th inning, nobody out Arkansas sack bunt, perfect, perfect bunt Sexton fields his position, gets over to the ball throws the guy out at first base. It was a great play for him to get down the mound and make that play and get the out. Um, you know, if he throws that ball away, if if he throws the throw away, throw to first base away, the game's over. If he doesn't get the out, bases loaded, nobody out, your chances of getting out of that jam drop significantly. So it was, it was a great job to get to that ball, record the out at first base. Then... Um, Arkansas, and it's kind of funny. I don't remember if it was a safety squeeze or a suicide squeeze. I think it was safety. I remember, if I remember correctly, the runner hesitated, so which would be a safety squeeze. Um, and the hitter puts down a bunt. Sexton fields it, flips it to the catcher. Catcher applies the tag. Guys out, two outs, and then a ground out, a ground ball to second base. Ends the bottom of the 10th inning. So Texas A&M did a heck of a job to even force a 11th inning um, and the bats just couldn't get it done in extras walk off Homer will kill you. Oh, God, just saying it out loud just hurts the soul. Um, but there is still life. And, and before we talk about what's next for the Aggies in the SEC tournament, you just want to um, 
Arkansas is a good ball club. They have a chance if they make a run and win the SEC tournament to potentially work their way to being the number one overall seed in the whole NCAA tournament. Um, of course, they were uh, co-winners of the SEC with Florida. So it's a good ball club that the Aggies fought tooth and nail to you know stay in this ball game. And, and you know you get punched in the face with a grand slam and you punch right back with a home run to tie the game. It was a good. It was a good. A good team game. The the walks killed you here, though. I did, I meant to talk about that. I almost forgot to talk about that. Eight walks in this game. Free passes can't happen a ton. And when you get four walks, I think it's a number I can live with. Once you get above there, I start to get a little frustrated. Eight walks is too many. Free bases will haunt you, and they did in this game. And I think that is just you can't walk people. You got to throw strikes. And Aggie pitching, they know the pitchers know that they're not out there trying to walk people. I get it. It's pitching's hard, and it was a problem for Texas A&M today. And part of the reason they ended up eventually dropping this game, but you got to cut down on those walks for the following game, which is going to be at nine thirty today. For those of you watching or listening, because I'm recording this day before, so nine thirty. A.M. Sorry, I should have prefaced that for those of you who aren't early risers. 9.30 a.m. against South Carolina. South Carolina is a team that is really deflated getting to the final steps of this season. They are not feeling great about themselves. Um, they've lost a lot of ball games. They were at once one of the best teams in the country. They were top three at one point, and then they just fell off the face of the earth with a really bad back half of conference play. And they um they they won their first game of the SEC tournament over Georgia, and then today they kind of got boat raced by LSU. So I like kicking somebody when they're down, kind of like when Texas A&M after Mississippi State found out that they had been eliminated from potentially making it to Hoover. The Aggies were able to go beat them in Game Three of that series, take the series, and get yourself the 14th win that's going to lock you into the postseason. So um, kicking a team when they're down is is a good thing to do because. It's hard to be motivated, and it's going to be hard for the South Carolina team to be motivated right now. I mean, they're, of course, going to make the field of 64, but they are not riding a hot streak right now. This is a game I think the Aggies can win. I think it'll be a fun ball game between a team that's trying to get some confidence. Um, well, both these teams trying to get some confidence heading into the regional play. Um, I don't know who's going to pitch yet. It's one of those – I have a few guys in mind. I don't want to be wrong, um, but I'm curious to see who's going to pitch – with when you play in this tournament, you know, it starts on Tuesday, you finish the series generally on Saturday. So your pitchers aren't getting the rest they need, your your main starters, your some of your relievers. So there's gonna be some hodgepodge pitching for the Aggies. They did do a good job conserving pitching in this game, and especially last game. You know, they haven't used a ton of pitchers through two games, which is a good thing. It helps you down the road. Hopefully, Texas AM is able to take care of business and knock send home the team from Columbia, send them on back home to South Carolina. Um, I hope they're able to pull this win out. It's going to be a fun game. I think the Aggies have a good shot to win it because, like I said, South Carolina deflated. They are deflated. Kick them when they're down. Show no mercy. Send them packing. Hopefully, ne um, next time you all are hearing me talk, we're talking about a big Aggie victory over South Carolina. And otherwise, we'll break it down either way. And if the Aggies win, we'll talk about what's next. If the Aggies lose, we'll talk about the outlook for the postseason and the outlook for the field of 64, where are the Aggies heading, who are they playing, is it a good, bad matchup, what regional are they in, et cetera, et cetera there. 
But that is going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Aggies. I really appreciate you all stopping by. Can't wait to break down some more football and baseball news over these next couple of days. I appreciate you all stopping on in. Have a great rest of your day, and we will see you tomorrow.